I want to talk about temptation, habit, and addiction. <clears throat> because of Adam and Eve's sin, original sin, or the, our fallen nature began, and it's been passed on throughout the whole human race. And so we have a natural predisposition towards sin. Sin gives us pleasure in the moment whatever it might be. And it might even be a sin of omission where God wants us to do something and we don't because not doing that thing God wants us to do gives us more pleasure in this moment. Okay. So what about that moment, though? What about that moment? Can't we do the right thing in the moment? And by God's grace, we can. It's just that it can be extremely hard, especially when the moment has become a habit. What's a habit? A habit is just something that becomes natural to us over time and when it's repeated enough that we don't have to think about it anymore. So God made us for habits. For example, getting ready for bed at, at night or driving a car, etc. Getting ready at bed at night takes me about a half an hour because I... I uh, whatever. I, there's a whole, here's a whole regular. I go into my room. I put my pajamas on. Uh, I play a little bit with my cats. They, they really, they know what's going on, and they're excited about this moment. And then I go in. I floss my teeth. I do this little water pick thing. Uh, then I brush my teeth. Then I do this nose thing with this nose deal, whatever. And I rinse my face and all that, especially my eyes, because they'll get really dry in the night. And then I put on this lotion because I have really dry skin. All right, and then I'm all done with that, and I leave there, and then I go in my little chapel, and I pray night prayer. And then now I'm ready to get into bed, and I flick on the light, and my cat Benny always jumps up because he knows I'm getting into bed, and he wants to jump my feet as they slide down the sheets. And anyway, and then finally I turn out the lights, and the whole thing takes me probably a half an hour, sort of but I don't have to think about any of it. It just is naturally happening. All right. The same holds true of driving a car. There are so many different rules of the road and how you drive this particular vehicle and the mirrors and the da da da. And the thing is, is God created us so that we would develop these habits so that we could be productive. So that we wouldn't have to think, how do I floss my teeth? You know, it just happens because you can do it. Now you can think about other things while you floss your teeth. The problem is when the habit is an evil thing, when it's this thing that we shouldn't be doing, that we started doing, and now we've done it over and over, and now it really just becomes like getting ready for bed or driving a car. It just comes very naturally. But more than that, an evil thing has an attraction. We might not be excited about getting ready for bed or excited about driving a car, but whatever that evil thing is, it seems to preoccupy the mind. Like, oh, geez, I really want that. I really, really want that sort of thing. And that preoccupation with an evil thing becomes an addiction. And addictions are very hard to overcome. All right. So here's kind of a story about the addiction sort of thing and how these things work on our minds. So when we have this desire to give in to a particular sin, whatever it is, especially if it's become a habit, and as we go to confession over and over over the years, we realize I'm confessing the same sins over and over. I have the same bad habits. I have the same addiction. I think that we've all got addictions. Some, some people, it's a huge addiction. It's this thing that ruins their life. For others, there are smaller addictions, etc., etc. But I think that we've all got them. 
And so the thing is, is in that moment of temptation for the addiction, here are some things that's really important to bear in mind. Number one, Satan is present. And I say that, well, Satan or a fallen angel, because there are as many fallen angels as there are humans. And here's sort of the theology of that, is that uh, God will stop making human beings. So God is not going to make human beings forever. He's going to stop making human beings at some point in the future. And the total number of human beings that God will have made will be the ones that made it to heaven, and not everyone does, but the ones who made it to heaven, and they fill those places in heaven that the fallen angels vacated. And if we know that only a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven, and there are 8 billion people on earth, then we know that the number of fallen angels alone is in the many billions. When we're born, just as our Heavenly Father assigns a guardian angel to us, so too does Satan assign a demon who's been watching us and living with us all of our lives and knows our particular weaknesses. They also know our strengths. Like, no, that's a strength, and I've never been able to make any progress against this person with that particular thing. But I do make a lot of progress over here, so I'm going to use this. There should be aware of the presence of the enemy our enemy who wants us to join him in hell. Really important because Satan is coming in both the first reading and in the last reading today, coming for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and then coming for Jesus in the wilderness. And he's coming for you and I. Really important to realize that. that The enemy is present. All right. Then the enemy's lies. Lying to Eve. No, no, no. God's a liar. I'm a truth teller. God's a liar. God doesn't want you to touch that tree because he knows that if your eyes will be open, you'll be like him. And he doesn't want any competitors because he's jealous and he's envious and he's filled with vices. You should go have some of that fruit over there. He's a liar. He's just a liar. Jesus says he's a liar, an accuser, and a murderer from the beginning. All right, so he's lying to us. But in this moment, it's like, well, it seems so reasonable. Look at that tree. That's a really good-looking tree and that fruit. It's like... Golden and that stuff is shiny, man. I could smell it 20 yards away. That, that was pretty good. That makes good sense. And that's the way the enemy works on us. If we'll just give in in this moment, then there'll be pleasure and freedom from the distraction of whatever this moment is. So, whether it's, again, whatever your addictions are, in this moment, if I just give in to it, then I'll be set free and I can move on and be productive in some other way anything. But that's not true. All it's doing is reinforcing the addiction, strengthening the habit, and then it's going to happen again and again and again and again, and it'll never end until finally we go, no, no, no. I'm going to fight this now. I'm going to fight this. And I recognize I will fail from time to time, but I'm going to fight this now. I'm going to fight you, Satan. I'm going to fight And I may prevail. I might overcome this addiction in this life. And I might not. But I'm going to fight. And I'm going to fight to the end of my life. To beat you, Satan. To not be your slave anymore. And that's what we are, is his slave. Recognizing the presence of the enemy. And recognizing this moment for what it is. Alright, in this moment. For those of us with addictions, which is everybody... In that moment, if we really just pause and reflect, well, what am I feeling? What am I sensing right now? There is a number of different things. But 
here's this thing that I think that people with addictions would identify with. There is this author, and I brought this up in a homily a couple years ago. There's this author, a Czech author from the late 1800s. His last name was Kafka. And he wrote this novel. It was a, it was a the Industrial Revolution had been sweeping Europe now for, a, for at least a generation. It reached Czechoslovakia, at least Prague. Czechoslovakia became kind of, started developing some factories. In the Industrial Revolution, people leave the land and go to work in factories. And then accompanying that is kind of this bureaucracy that begins to happen, where you've got all these office jobs that start taking hold. And he worked in an office, and then and this is sort of 1880s Prague, and the government, whatever it was, I was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire sort of thing. So you've got the government bureaucracy and the, the business and how you're trying to do business with others and, you know, the, the coal mine over here or the whatever over here. And it, and it was this disconnection that's happening once we left the land for the factories. And now the workers in the factory are like livestock. You know, we just need bodies to perform these functions and there's no relationship with them. There's no commitments, etc. And so he writes this novel of this character who has this totally disoriented life. And how it works is the character wakes up, well, is woken in the middle of the night. The police come, they storm into his house, they arrest him in his bed, they drag him out, he's still in his pajamas, and he doesn't know why he's being arrested. And he's taken off to prison, into jail, and he, he's being interrogated, but he still doesn't know why he's here, what's going on. And the whole novel is this thing where this character can't ever figure out what's going on. Why, why this crazy? It's like a bad dream, is what it is. Kafka. Getting back to addiction now. When Satan comes, and he comes to like Jesus, and Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and nights, no food and no water. No, we can't do that. We will die without water for 40 days. But Jesus is God. He can do that. But he's super weak. He's in this moment of disorientation, and now the Satan comes. He doesn't come when he's strong. He comes when he's weak. And now in this Kafka-like moment, if you'll just serve me, you can have this bread. There's nothing wrong with bread, is there? Look, it's beautiful. It's freshly baked. It smells wonderful. It's soft to the touch. I can even put a little bit of butter on it for you. If you'll just do this for me. Oh, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. All the kingdoms of the world. And you know how much good you could do if you had all the kingdoms of the world? You could change laws and you could make the world so much better with all the kingdoms of the world. If you'll just serve me. So he's coming, he's disoriented, weak, this Kafka-like moment of a bad dream. You can't make sense of anything. You just want to stop. And you just want to go back to sanity and health and all that. So if I just give in, I, it can all stop and I can go back to sanity and health. The problem is I give in, I, I belong to Satan. The sin, the addiction continues. And so we have to let the storm pass. And this is where I'll finish. Shelter in place. What we really want is we want this freedom and we want to be able to get back to living our productive, sane life sort of thing. And so we give in to the pleasure of the addiction so that we get the shot, the high, but so that we can get back to our normal. 
And if we don't do it, then we don't get back to our normal. We stay in the bad dream. We stay in the storm. But it's okay to stay there. It's okay. When a storm comes, the government says, shelter in place. And the storm might come and go within a few hours. It might come and go within a day or two. It might even be like, I don't know, it's going to be weeks without power. But just shelter in place. It will pass. The temptation, the moment, it will pass. We say, but I can't get any work done right now. I can't, I can't move on with my life. I'm in this moment of temptation. If I just give in, then I can get back to my... No, don't give in. It will pass. And right now, for God, what he wants, the productive thing that he wants, is for you to fight the temptation, fight the enemy, and don't give in. If it means I can't get these other things done because I'm stuck sheltering in place, then that's okay. You don't get these things done. That's okay. In time, there will be great progress. In time, the frequency of the enemy's attacks in the beginning might actually accelerate, but in time, they'll begin to diminish. They'll begin to diminish. And the storms won't take as long in time. In the future, the storms will come and go quicker than they do now because we're growing, we've grown stronger and stronger. Until finally they're just done. They're just done. And we're free. And again, it might be in this life, and it might not be in this life. But that effort, that struggle against it, is so pleasing to God. And then one day, one day at the end of this life, he says, listen, I have total freedom for you here. I have paradise waiting for you here. Because you tried. Because you fought the enemy. And you didn't stop trying. Now you're free. And you will never, ever again experience temptation. You'll never, ever again sin. And you'll be happy with me for all eternity. And that was the goal of your life on earth. So... We're all in the wilderness with Jesus today, and frankly, every day of our life. And the enemy is coming for us every day of our life. But for you and I, we know he's coming. And we know that the Lord is with us too, and that he's even more powerful. And if we'll just shelter in place, that the storm will eventually pass. And whether or not we overcome the temptations, the addictions in this life, is entirely up to God. But by his grace and our effort... We can in this life, but even if we don't, we win in the next.